This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. We're right in the middle of a series called Relentless. That is what our vision is for 2020. As a church, we come up with a, with a vision that God has laid on Kevin's heart. We're going to have wristbands for you guys next week. We do those every year just to remind us throughout the year. And that word for this year is relentless. And I want to break down that word for you guys as Pastor Kevin has over the last few weeks. And if you look at the, the prefix of that, re, it means again. Like a remix, a retake, a redo, to do it again. And then the, the root of that word is lent. And it comes from the verb to lend, to give up. And if we just relent, that just means we continue to give up and to give up again and to give up again. And too many times we get stuck at that part of it. But I just want to remind you guys that when you give up, you give up something. When you give up, there's something you're giving up, a blessing that God has for you. But don't stop there. And we look at the, the suffix of that word, less. It means without. And that's what we want our 2020 to be, is to be relentless without giving up on what God has called us to do and the vision that he has given us. In the first week of this series, Pastor Kevin talked about our relentless pursuit, of how we need to have a relentless pursuit of God. And we need to put him first, and we need to pray through those situations to see what he has for us, but not giving up in our pursuit of him. And last week in week two, he talked about our relentless God. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful that we have a God that doesn't give up on us. Every time we fail, and I know I fail all the time, but I'm thankful that God is there to encourage us, to pick us back up, and to help us keep going. He's never going to give up on us. And today I want to share with you guys on what it means to have a relentless serve. On what it means to have a relentless serve. Now some of you may have played tennis in high school. Uh, most of us have at least watched a tennis match on TV. In the game of tennis, you don't have to be a great tennis player in, in most of your game to be great if you have a great serve. The serve is the most important part of that tennis game. So you could be just an okay tennis player, but if you have a great serve, it makes you a great tennis player. And I'm going to kind of date myself here. Um, we're going to take a look at, at one of the best servers there ever was, and that's Pete Sampras. Some of you younger folks may not know who this guy is. You need to look him up. But just look at the concentration he has. Look at the torque that his body has. And he was rivaled all around the world by even other professionals at how good his serve was because he knew the importance of how that elevated the rest of his game. So you may be sitting here today saying, you know what, I'm not that good. I'm not that good at this, or I may be really bad at that, or I'm just okay at that. But I promise you, if you find ways to improve your serve and make your serve better, it will make you better. So we're going to look at some ways today on how we can improve our serve. Mark 10, 43 says, Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you will be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as I think about serving, 
and serving the way Jesus did, I look at my life and I find some ways that I just blow it. And I just want to be vulnerable with you guys for a minute and just share with you one of the areas that I'm really not that good at serving in. And it's an area that I fail at all the time, and that's serving in my family. There's many days I come home from work, and I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I come in the door. The kids are playing. There may be a mess in the living room, and I get mad because the toys aren't picked up. Or maybe I'm, I'm hungry, and dinner's not quite ready yet. And I get mad because I want to come home and eat. But in those moments, I wasn't acting like Jesus. I was thinking about myself in those moments. But one thing that I've been preparing for this message, God's been laying on my heart and an area that I know I need to improve in. And I haven't got it right yet, but I, but I feel like I've started to take some steps in that right direction. Is when I come home, instead of seeing toys on the floor as a mess, but see that as a chance that my kids are having fun and that they're enjoying the toys that they have. And I walk in and maybe dinner's not ready yet. And instead of getting mad, I can say, hey, what can I do to help? And for us husbands in here, you know, maybe sometimes the best thing we can do is just get out of the kitchen. And that's a lot of times what I do. Maybe I'll help set the table or something, but I, I stay out of the kitchen and let her do what she does, and she does an amazing job of cooking. But we need to take those opportunities where we see that maybe something isn't the way we think it should be. But those are the opportunities that we can use that we can share in our families. And that's the first thing in your notes I want you guys to, to see today is that we need to be relentlessly serving our families. We need to relentlessly serve our families. It's one of our primary ministries that we have is to serve in our homes. That's the, the first contact that we have is with our families. And sometimes we take that for granted. In those moments when I would get mad, I wasn't showing the grace that I needed to. And it's so easy in our families to not show the grace. We show grace in, in our work and in our jobs and maybe with friends. But we get home and we're tired and we're spent. And we don't have a whole lot left. But we need to use that time and we need able to have grace in our families. And I want to ask you guys a question today. Do you struggle with serving your family joyfully? Do you struggle with serving your family joyfully? And I don't mean are you happy to do the dishes? Are you happy to pick up toys? Happy to do the laundry? But do you find joy in actually serving your family to see the smile on their face when they know that you've been able to be there to help to take care of them? Because who's the center of your family? Are you the center of your family? Do you serve for your needs? Is that why you're serving, so it benefits you? Or is Jesus at the center of your family? So that you can serve, to serve God, and to ultimately make a difference in your family. Many of us have some friends maybe who have gone off on missions trips, who have gone halfway around the world, get on a plane, take off, Go take care of a need that's halfway around the world. And those are great. We, we need to do that. As a church, we support missions organizations to be able to do that. But we can't neglect the biggest mission field that we have and the first one that God puts in our life, and that's our families. We need to make sure we take care of the mission that God has given us in our families. And I love how Pastor Kevin broke it down last week where he talks about when we get our actions aren't the first thing that happens when we start to do things the wrong way. That's the end result. 
but it starts with our attitude. It starts with where our heart is when we walk in that door. Are we walking in anticipating something being wrong so that we can be there to be mad? Or do we walk in planning on having grace, knowing that the house may be a mess, knowing that dinner may not be ready yet? But do we walk in with that heart of grace? Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In our families, we also need to make sure that we don't look at it as a comparison. Don't look at it as a competition. Too many times we'll get to home and we're tired and we'll sit on the couch, maybe on our phones, maybe watching TV, and we know the dishes need to be done. But in our mind, we're thinking, you know what? I've already folded the laundry today. I did my job. I don't have to worry about doing that. That's somebody else's job. But as we look across the room and our kids are sitting there and they're doing their homework, maybe our spouse is preparing for a meeting they have the next day. And they're busy taking care of some things that they need to. So instead of sitting on that couch feeling sorry for ourselves, saying we've already done something, we can see those as opportunities to better serve our families. Or when you look across the room and there's toys all over the place, because, you know, I didn't play with Barbies today. That's not, that's not my mess. But as a family, it may not be our fault, but it should be our problem. We should look at it as a family to find ways to serve. And with my wife as a school teacher, she teaches right down here at Central. And in the city schools, a lot of these families... The, the kids come in, they don't have the love and support that they need to have. They don't have the parents that are there to encourage them. So as a school teacher, it's so much more than just an education. Sometimes they're the only role model they have. Sometimes they're the only adult in their life that loves them, that reminds them that it's okay to mess up. And we need to remember that. And as I've been going back through the years. I've coached youth sports here in Stanley County for about eight years. And my track record's not exactly the best. I'm not going to be in the record book as Coach K, getting 1,000 wins. I actually had an entire calendar year, three different sports that we didn't win a game. Not one, but we had a lot of fun, and our kids learned a lot. And just a few years ago, I, just, I, I felt God landing on my heart as I was coaching these kids. I looked at them like, these are a lot of the same kids that my wife is teaching. So that was an opportunity that together we could serve these kids. We could find ways that maybe something on the, on the ball field would work to help this kid or maybe something in the classroom. And we could find out the best way that we could help these kids because it wasn't about wins or losses. If you guys know me, you know I'm maybe a little competitive. I love to win. But there's a whole lot more to use sports than just winning games. But it's about reaching our community. And that's what number two in your notes is today, is to relentlessly serve our community. To relentlessly serve our community. And I love to look back over the stories of Jesus through Scripture. And as he began his ministry, and as he traveled from town to town, wherever he was at, 
that town became his community. He always looked for ways to serve the people around him. No matter where he was at, he looked to serve. And I want to show you guys three stories today through the life of Jesus where he served so well. And I want to be able to pull three practical applications out of that that we can apply to our lives today. And that first story is the woman at the well. And there are so many things culturally and so many things in that area that Jesus should have never approached the woman at the well. And just to give you guys a little bit of a background of that era, the women in the morning a lot of times will get up when it's cool. They will come together as a group, and they will come to the well to draw water to take it back to their families. But when Jesus arrived after walking through the desert, he was hot, he was tired, he was thirsty. And he saw at noon there was a woman at the well, which tells you that maybe she was an outcast. She wasn't part of that community, so she had to go at a different time because they wouldn't let her go at that time of the day. She was a woman. Jesus was a man. She was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. So there's so many barriers right there that that conversation should have never happened. But Jesus knew that the Father had prompted him because he had something that could help her. He knew that he needed to serve in that moment. So he just walks up to her and says, can I have a drink? Starts the conversation with something simple. And I love what John 4 says. And the Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She knew that that conversation shouldn't have happened. But Jesus knew that the need was there. So I want to ask you guys today, just let you know, the point number one is that you can serve anyone. You can serve anyone. It doesn't matter culturally. It doesn't matter gender. It doesn't matter their financial status. When Jesus calls us to serve, he calls us to serve. I can't stand on this stage today in the middle of celebrating Martin Luther King weekend and not think about racism being real. It's real in our community. It's real in our country. It's real around the world. Racism is real. But we as a church can break down that barrier. It doesn't matter what the color of somebody's skin is. It doesn't matter their financial status. If there's a homeless person, serve them. It doesn't matter. God calls us to serve. The second story I want to share with you guys in the life of Jesus was the washing of the disciples' feet. Just a few days before Jesus was going to be beaten and mocked and ultimately crucified on the cross for our sins, he's sitting in the upper room with his disciples, those closest to him in those final hours where he could have been selfish, knew what was going to happen, and expect them to serve him, but he didn't. In that moment, he took on the lowest form of a servant in that day. And he got down on his hands and knees, and he washed his disciples' feet. Because he knew the crowd that he had and the attention that was there. And he knew how important in those last moments before he gave up his life for us, what it meant to serve, what it meant to love. And in John 13, it says, For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done for you. 
Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And in the second story of Jesus, we see that serving is uncomfortable. Serving is uncomfortable. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's not even going to be always something that we know how to do. But are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to follow God's leading in your life, to step out and to serve the people that God has called you to serve, regardless of how uncomfortable that can be? And the third story is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is teaching up on the hillside and the crowds are gathering in. And the scriptures say that the the 5,000 was just men. It says, and also women and children, which means that number could have been 10,000, could have even been 20,000 with all the families that were there. And that crowd grew as Jesus taught throughout the day. And as we get later in the afternoon, same thing as us, their stomach started to growl. They started to get hungry. And the disciples, just thinking about themselves, approach Jesus. And they say, Jesus, it's getting late in the day. It's getting close to dinner time. Why don't we just go ahead and just send everybody home? Let's just go ahead and end it right now and just send people home. But in Matthew 14, Jesus replied to them, they do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. Jesus saw a need and he met it. And that's number three, is to serve to meet others' needs. Serve to meet others' needs. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Sometimes we look for the big stuff because it's easy to make excuses. Well, well, I can't do that. I financially can't do that. I don't have the time to do that. But something as simple as a meal that we can do. If you know somebody who's been in the hospital, take them a meal. Someone who's had surgery, someone who's lost a loved one, take them a meal. You see that homeless person on the side of the road, go get them a meal. Or even something as simple as when you're in the drive-thru, pay for that meal behind you because we never know what that person's going through. They may have just lost their job. They may be in the process of looking for a job and they've been trying for days and weeks and they're running out of money, but they're hungry. And that meal can change their whole outlook for the day. So we need to look for ways that we can meet the needs of others. Sometimes it may be something simple. And in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I need clothes, you clothed me. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. So when we serve and we serve others, we're serving God. God has put those people in our path because he knows that we have the ability to meet that need. As a church, we want to be able to meet the needs in our community as well. This past year, we were part of an amazing day. It was called Serve Day. Some of you guys came in and helped out. We had almost 100 people that were right here in this auditorium that broke up into teams and went out into our community to serve. We went to elementary schools and did landscape. We went to nursing homes and just had fun and smiled and laughed with some of the, the people that were there. We gave out gift cards at gas stations. We even had teams that loaded up lawnmowers and drove around looking for yards that needed to be done. And that's a way as a church that we can come together as a community. And I want you guys to mark in your calendars July 11th 
2020. It's a Saturday. That's going to be our serve day for this year. Go ahead and mark it off. Plan on being here because I'm telling you, the stories that came out of that, the simple tasks that we did changed lives. It changed lives. And we can do that together because when we serve collectively, we can meet a need together. Serving as a church gives us a chance to be able to, to meet needs right here in our own community. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serving others in genuine love go hand in hand. They have to. Because if you're serving for the right reason, you're doing it out of love. And if you're not doing it out of love, then maybe we need to reevaluate why we're serving. Are we doing it to serve us? Again, or are we doing it to serve Jesus? The first thing was we want to relentlessly serve our families. Number two was to serve our communities. And number three is to relentlessly serve our church. Relentlessly serve our church. I want you guys to think for a moment of the first Sunday you walked into Vortex. For some of you, that may have even been this morning. And as you walked in and the, the greeter at the front door shook your hand, you came in, you got you a good hot cup of coffee. Maybe dropped your kids off in Vortex Kids or in the student ministries that's meeting right now in Theater 5. And you came in here to sit down to worship. But it's so easy to walk past all that and not see the pipe and drape and the time that it took to put that up. The flooring that we put down in the kids to keep them safe and that we clean every week, especially during this flu season, to make sure that our babies are safe. And even in this room, the stage and the production and everything that goes together, that happens because people have taken the time to use their time and to use their talents and to honor God in their serving. So I just want to say thank you to all of our dream team, all of our volunteers, no matter what capacity you serve in, we can't do this without you. We absolutely can't do this without you. The first crew that comes in here to set up the stage is here at 5.30 every week. The next team comes in at 6.45. The next team comes in at 8 o'clock. And a lot of them are here all the way until 12 or 12.30. They give up a half of their day to serve to make sure that we can be in here and to serve our community because people come in here every week making decisions that change eternity. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. When I think about serving in the church, the first person that comes to my mind is my mom. Some of you may know my dad's a pastor, been a pastor 45 years. And from day one at the age of 20, my mom stepped in, didn't know what this journey was going to look like, but became the administrator at the first church. She even took part-time job to help put him through seminary so that he could follow God's vision and plan for his life. And throughout those years, growing up, my brother and I, we would want to do some things during the week. But there's plenty of times that my mom was like, no, we can't. I've got to lead a Bible study tonight. Or maybe I got choir practice tonight. Or we've got to put the worship guides together so that we can have those ready for Sunday. 
And she sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed for her church because she knew what serving meant. I want you guys to take a look at this picture right here. That picture on the right-hand side there is the very first church that my, pa my parents pastored back in the 70s. They're somewhere around 18 and 20 years old in that picture. And they've served God faithfully. But what I love is that picture right there. That's the picture of them just a few months ago at the church they're serving right now. Look at the smiles. Over 45 years, that smile's gotten bigger because they understand what it means to serve. But it doesn't stop there. My brother, who's two years older than me, right now is leading worship at his church in New Jersey. I'm on this stage today because of the influence of my mom. But it doesn't even stop there. The next generation, my niece who's nine years old is playing drums behind my brother leading worship. And my daughter who's eight comes in with me every Sunday morning at seven because she wants to be a part of setup. And my son who's in middle school occasionally will step into Vortex Kids and run their production for him. So the influence that those moments of serving had go far beyond what we can imagine. The legacy that my mom is leaving is because of a heart of serving, because she understands what it means to serve. And she understood what 1 Peter 4.10 says, that each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of varied grace. She knew that she had a gift, and she used that gift the way God had called her to use that gift. And as we serve, it's so easy to get tired. It's so easy to get burnt out. It's tough to get up to be in here at 5.30, to come in at 6.45, to spend five or six hours in here and stuff that goes on during the week. But I want to encourage you guys as we look at it as a, I have to, I have to get up to get in here to serve. I have to come in to be able to lead a small group in kids or in students. What if we changed our hearts to I get to? The attitude that we have when we get here is I get to serve. Because every week, people are making decisions that are being changed for eternity. Not just lives are being changed, but legacies are being changed because of the love that people have and they understand to serve. And Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And as we understand that when we serve, that serving isn't for us. That serving is for God. And that as we serve, lives are changed. And if we understand the why, then we're going to get it right. So I encourage you guys today, if you're not plugged in, if you're not serving, I encourage you to start serving. The last few weeks, and it's in your worship guide again today, there's a card in there as we prepare for our next campus. There's places where you can get plugged in to serve. If God's laid that on your heart, fill that card out. Later today, you'll have a chance to put it in the offering bucket. Or if you're going to stay here at Eastgate, that's awesome. We, we need people here as well to be able to step in and serve. But it's not just the serving 
where we get fed. But serving honors God and it blesses other people. In our staff meeting each week, Pastor Kevin shares with us some things that we can use, that we can grow together as a staff. And this past week, and it's no coincidence that God laid this on Kevin's heart for this week as I was preparing for this message. And I want to just read to you a portion of what he talked about as far as us serving as a staff, but serving in just in general in any area of our life. He said, if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. I just want that to sink in for a minute. That if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. Jesus, the Son of God, came to serve. And he goes on to say in our staff meeting this week that the greatest leadership is service. Every leader is a servant first. From the parking lot to the pulpit, everyone serves. Every role is different, but every role is important. If you ain't helping, you ain't helping. It's that simple. If you ain't helping, you ain't helping. Acts 20, 35 says that in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said is more blessed to give than to receive. And those of you who give generously, you understand that. It's fun to receive, but I tell you, it's so much more fun to give. At Christmas time with kids, at birthdays, when you pay for that meal for somebody, the way it changes their life, the smile that it puts on their face. You can only do that through serving, through love. And see, we can come in here every week and we can drop our kids off and we can come sit in here and we can be fed. Worship was absolutely amazing this morning. And we can walk out of here and be fed. Or we can stand up and we can serve and we can do what God has called us to do. And we can reach out in ways that we never thought possible. So what if, Vortex, what if we served more than being served? What if we served others more than we wanted to be served? And what if we showed the world what serving really looks like? We have that opportunity every day if you want to show the world what love is, serve. If you want to show the world what hope is, serve. We have that opportunity. I want to go back to the scripture that we started with, Mark 10, 45. That for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We need to find ways to improve our serve. What would your family look like if you served them more than they served you? The joy that you would have in those moments. What would our community look like if we found ways to serve them more than we asked them to serve us? Think about the ripple effect that would have throughout communities. And what about in our church if we served more than we ask others to serve. The level of burnout would be less. 
the amount of opportunities to reach out would be greater. What if vortex that we showed the world what serving really looks like? Jesus came to earth to serve. He could have came and he could have sat on a throne, could have wore a crown, but he didn't. He knew how important it meant to serve. He knew the opportunities were great. The need was great. And he led by example of what serving means. And that's exactly what he calls us to do today. Is he calls us to serve. He calls us to relentlessly serve those around us. And we need to always find ways to improve our serve. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.